let the world infiltrate their church. And uh, I'll tell you, if, if we were to put any uh, of our churches from today back into the times of the Apostle Paul, I think most of them, a lot of them, would fit into the category of the church at Corinth. Uh, that there's a lot of worldliness, there's a lot of fleshy, fleshliness that comes into our churches. We've got to be so careful of those things. And so Paul is he, he's constantly uh, uh, giving instruction to them. Telling him, listen, you've got to do this, and you can't do that. And he talks about even his battles. Aren't you glad Paul shares some of those with us? It lets us know he wasn't a perfect Christian either. In fact, when he gets to the end of his ministry, he considers himself the chiefest of sinners. That says an awful lot about Paul. You know what it tells me? It tells me that throughout his ministry, he was continuously growing closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because one thing I found is the closer we get to the Lord Jesus Christ, the more we see our sinful condition. And uh, the church at Corinth certainly needed some correction. Paul shared even his own frailties. The times that he said the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And boy, we can relate to that, can't we? And uh, I'm thankful God used authors to write things that uh, were very relatable for us. Isn't it amazing that this book, after all these years, is still relevant? People today talk about, well, we need a new version, or we need something easier to understand. You know the majority, the vast majority of the words that deal with doctrine in our Scripture and deals with the subject of salvation are one-syllable words? Take, take time to look through it. Uh, go through the Romans Road and think through the verses, how many of them are single-syllable words. And for somebody to say, I don't understand it, uh, yes, we don't use the as much as we used to, but everybody knows what the stands for, right? Uh, thou, we know what that means. We're not ignorant of those things. And uh, I'm thankful that God gave us a perfect book that over the thousands of years, it's as relevant and as, as needful today. Uh, Paul told Timothy, he said, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That's, that's the primary one. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. And this morning we're going to uh, do the fourth one, okay? We're going to give some instruction in righteousness and um, one of the things that I, over the years, I, I was raised in a pastor's home. I've been in, in, in a number of churches in my lifetime as I went to several colleges and um, uh, were part of churches and works around the country. And uh, I'm thankful for every one of them. Not, not any two of them were alike. But I always gained something from all of them. And I'm thankful for that. But one thing that concerns me oftentimes is, and I know that we need to deal with things that we ought not to do, things we ought to stay away from, but uh, so often we deal with what we ought not to do, and we deal very little with what we ought to do, uh, the things that ought to be part of a Christian. Um, in, in Romans chapter number 12, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, that's a strong statement if you think about it. Uh, I had a friend of mine, Dick Snook, who told me one time we were talking about this, and he said the problem with the living sacrifice is it keeps crawling down off the altar. You have to keep putting him back up there. And uh, that uh, living sacrifice, holy, uh, acceptable unto God, which the Bible says is your, what, reasonable service. That's just the norm. Do you know that being a living sacrifice to God, giving Him our will every moment of every day is just the norm? That's not even being an exceptional Christian yet. That's just what's expected. 
And I'm going to deal with the topic today that I will tell you it's something that just ought to be part of the Christian life. It's just the norm. It's what ought to be expected. And that is the idea of what the Bible refers to here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is charity. Love in action, if you will. And the idea being that um, there are certain things that characterize it. When we have the right kind of love for people, when we have the right kind of heart for people, the right kind of charity for God and His Word, uh, there will be things in our life that will happen. Not things we try to do, but things that will just be there. And I want us to look at those, if you will, because we don't spend a lot of time on this, do we? Uh, I'm thankful that there are times we preach hard on sin, but there are times we ought to preach hard on love, because the truth is we need both. And uh, so let's look at this, if you will, in verse number 1. Paul starts off in saying, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message this morning and use it. I pray that you would help to guide and direct our hearts and our thoughts for the next few moments, that we would be surrendered and yielded to the leading of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, for the next few moments, I pray that you would put a hedge around this place and whatever burdens and distractions we walked into here with that are on our hearts and our minds, I pray that you'd help us to lay them at your feet, to rest them there and to be able to direct our hearts wholly and completely to your word. And then, Father, use your word to encourage us, to instruct us in righteousness, to help us to be more of what we ought to be for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Paul, again, dealing with the topic of charity, he says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. And the truth is, if we look at the Apostle Paul, he was a very gifted speaker, wasn't he? He's a very gifted writer. He's well-educated. He was educated at the feet of one of the great minds of the day, Gamaliel, and uh, had been a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And, I mean, he was a fellow who knew the law. He had studied, uh, had a great vocabulary, had a great... Uh, um, uh, mind about him. One of the things I love about Paul and his writings is he is a master at, at laying out the groundwork and, and laying a foundation for a truth that he's going to bring out. And he, he does such a thorough job, and I understand it was by inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he did this, but the, the, the foundation is such that it cannot shake the truth that is resting upon it. And uh, it, it's one of those things that when you get to the conclusion and he brings the truth to light, there's no denying that that is truth. There's no way to get around it. And so this is no different. He's, he's, he's dealing here with a subject that is true, and he's, he's making some observations about it that, that when we look at it and we get to the end of the chapter and he makes the final statement that he's going to make about the subject, there's no doubt in our minds by that point that he is right and he's true about it. I'm thankful we have a book that we can rest on and, true, and believe that every word of it is true. And he goes on to say this, that even as much as he was a gifted speaker, he was a gifted writer, and it didn't matter if even an angel from heaven would come and would give words and speak in a certain manner. He said, if I have not charity, he said, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. I don't know, I don't know how many people have ever experienced this. I will tell you this, I have, Okay. And maybe you haven't, but I have. But there have been times that I have had such a heart and a desire to serve God and to see people saved and to see people's lives changed by God. I don't want to just 
Now, I don't want to get up and preach and people come in and, and walk out and smile pleasantly and shake your hand and say, Pastor, that was a good service. I, I, want when, I want when we leave this place there to be something different in us, something that God has done in our hearts in that service. And, and, and that's my desire. But you know how many times that I've gotten up to preach or there's times I've talked to somebody at their door and sharing the gospel with them and I feel like there's no productivity there. There's, you, just, you get done and you think, boy, there just wasn't a whole lot accomplished there. And can I tell you this, that Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said that if we speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, we're, we're just as well as, as just a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal somewhere. There is no impact, there's no effectiveness of the things that we're dealing with. And I, I think far too often that the results that we are looking for in our service to God are, are, number one, we worry too much about accomplishing them ourselves. The Bible says that without me, ye can do nothing. Paul said, I have watered, Apollos has planted, uh, but God gave the increase. And, and we've got to learn to rely on God. All, all our responsibility is is to get the truth out. Amen? Let God do the work. But so often in serving God, we do it because we've been taught that we ought to do it. Or we believe that if, if we don't do it, there will be certain Christians that we, we value their opinion of us and we're worried what they might think if we don't serve. And so we serve. I've been in, I've been in a situation in a college where if, if you didn't put in so many hours a week and you didn't uh, spend so much time and lose so much sleep and it became almost a braggadocious thing to, to claim how many hours of sleep you lost that weekend in serving God and, and that if you didn't do that, that you were not nearly as spiritual as the ones who had done so much more. Can I tell you this? Activity for God never equates to spirituality. Our spirituality is based on one thing, and that is our personal walk with God. But there are times we start working in the flesh. We start doing things in our own power, in our own mind. We, we trust our own gifts and our own talents. And we think, boy, if I could just do this. I, I remember so naive in ministry, even though I grew up in a pastor's church, and I thank God for my dad, who was a phenomenal man as a pastor and a dad. One of the great joys of my life was serving with him for a number of years in ministry. But uh, it was amazing to me when I got out of college uh, how, uh, how naive I was about things. And I thought, boy, if I, if I get my, uh, uh, my uh, nameplate on my desk and I, I get my business card with my youth pastor title on it and uh, we start planning a big calendar with all the activities, boy, revival is going to break out. And I'll tell you what, I did all that. Brother Keith, feel free to go ahead and shut that door. That might be distracting. And uh, I remember thinking all that and I thought, boy, I'll tell you what, if I could just do all these things and revival break out. I went there and I'll tell you what, I, I had a group of kids that uh, we, we grew like crazy. We started with 60, and it took two years, but we finally reached 30. And I'm going to tell you what, God did a great, great work there. I could have stood on my head and shot BBs out my nose, and it would not have oppressed these kids one iota. And the truth was I got frustrated. About the second or third year, there wasn't a Sunday I came home that I didn't talk to my wife and say, I, I, I think we made a mistake. I, I don't think we're doing what God wants us here. We may need to leave. I can understand how a lot of youth workers and a lot of pastors stay a year or 18 months or two years at a place and then move on because we depend in the wrong area for our strength. We're trying to do it with our own. And can I tell you this? We ought not to ever worry about man's opinion of us in our service to God. We ought to always worry about man's opinion in our testimony for God. We've got to be careful of this thing, that it stems from the heart. 
I don't serve God now because I have to or because I'm worried about what somebody may think of me or what somebody may not think of me if I serve or I don't serve. I serve God now in my life because I love God. Uh, there's something I want, I, I desire for people to have some of the experiences and the joys that God has brought into my life and the growth that I've had in my life. I long for other people to see that and to have that and to, and, and to be excited about the things of God. But, you know, we so often get so work, worked up in the process of doing the work that we fail to walk with God and the heart of the issue is left outside. And Paul says, I can speak. I can have great talents. I can have a voice of an angel. I can do all of these things. He said, if, if my heart is not in the right place, if I do not have charity, he said, I might as well be a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Now notice what he says here. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, boy, wouldn't that be wonderful? I don't know anybody that's had all faith. Do you? You know, we criticize Peter, but he's the only other person other than the Lord Jesus Christ that ever walked on water. He's a man of more faith than I have. And you know what's so convicting to me about that? Is God looked, or Christ looked at Peter and said, Oh, ye of little faith. Man, how must my faith look? And Paul said, Though I have all faith. He said, If I could have all of these things, if I have, if I have the gift of prophecy, if I could get up and preach eloquently, if I could have stadiums full of people to preach to, people just come by the droves. He says, though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am what? I'm nothing. Are we starting to understand that there's something that is very, very important and vital to the Christian life? that so often we spend very little time dealing with. We love dealing with the, the harder issues, don't we? We love the old camp-style preacher. We love the, we love the you ever hear the, uh, we called them, down south, we called them wind-sucking preachers. You ever hear them? They're, they're the ones that they make a statement like this and then they have to get a breath in between. <laughs> and we love to hear that kind of preaching sometimes. And sometimes they don't let the Word of God get in the way of a good message. But... Uh, you know, I, we love to hear those kind of preaching sometimes. But, you know, sometimes we need to stop. We need to think for a minute. Are there some other things that are more needful that we've neglected? And this thing of charity, I believe, so often in our lives is something that we neglect. We neglect to give it a proper focus. Notice he says this in verse number 3. Now, this is a person who's trying outwardly to do everything that he can. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor... Though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me what? Nothing. Charity. So, uh, let me stop there for a minute. So let me just say this. You can do all of those things and have charity. He's talking about somebody who does these things outwardly and the heart is not there. They're doing it for man's approval. They're doing it for some other reason than God's approval. Now he gets to verse number 4, and this is the meat of the message, okay? So stay with me. Here we go. These are the things that characterize it. When we have the right kind of charity in our lives, these are the things that are, are needful in the Christian life. All right, here we go. Charity, what? Suffereth short. If you're married, right? If you have kids, suffereth what? Suffereth long. Can I ask you a question? Has Christ been long-suffering to you and I? Oh, my 
That's the understatement of the year, isn't it? Why then are we so short-tempered? Why then are we so quick to be judging of others and be upset at them? Now, if there's sin, I understand that. I'm talking about just in our day-to-day interactions. Well, that person gets on my nerve. You know, every family's got one like that, right? I heard somebody say, if you can't think of who it is, you're the one. (laughs) But everybody's got somebody that rubs them the wrong way, don't they? You know, there are times that I have seen churches split right down the middle because of the lack of long-suffering in the church. This is something that is a character of having the right charity in their hearts. Charity suffereth long and is what? What is it? Do you think Christianity today could use a healthy dose of kindness? Oh, absolutely. It vaunteth not itself. (laughs) This is one of the hardest ones, isn't it? It's not puffed up. Uh, We are proud critters, aren't we? Our ego likes to take possession of ourselves, and we like to think ourselves much higher than we ought. There needs to be a spirit of humility. Can I tell you this? When we have charity the way that we ought, that won't be a problem. It vaunteth not itself. It's not interested in trying to bring attention to itself. It's not not interested in trying to make it look better while making others look worse. It's not going to vaunt itself up. Notice in verse number 5, it doth not behave itself unseemly. Brother Greg, I, you know, I can live however I want to. I have liberty. All things are lawful for me, Paul said. He did. He did say that. But you know, he went on to say, but not all things are expedient. There are some things that we've got to be careful of. We need to learn how to behave ourselves. As God's people, we could use a healthy dose of that, couldn't we? We've got a lot of, when I was a young person, um, my, my parents were firm believers in discipline with a leather belt. And we had whippings and we had whoopings, and there is a difference between the two. And the reason was my mom and dad wanted to make sure that I learned to behave myself. There were times I showed out in public and I did things I shouldn't. There were times my mom and dad would tell me something and I would, I would not listen. There were times I would talk back. That only happened once or twice. You learn after about the second time. And... Uh, but we learn to behave ourselves. Can I tell you this? In our Christian life, there are a lot of times that we misbehave spiritually. And I, would, I don't want to have God's chastening on me. I don't want Him to have to come and discipline me because I don't know how to behave as a Christian. You know, the, the, the Bible still speaks of holiness and holy living. We've got to be so careful of this. You say, oh boy, I, I can love God and live however I want to. Those two statements, if taken separately, could be held truthfully. But when you put them together, there's no way that happens. Because one thing I know when we love God, we want to please Him. We don't want to please ourselves. We learn to behave. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Notice this, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. We talk a lot about things we ought not to do. But these are things that ought to characterize a Christian's life. There ought to come times in our life, moments, where we take God's Word and we sit down with it and we use it as the ruler, the yardstick, the measurement of my spiritual condition. 
When, when God tells me that a Christian, somebody that, that loves the Lord, somebody that has the right kind of charity, has these things that characterize them, then I, how do I measure up? You know, it would do us all well to have regular times where we sit with God's Word, not for the doctrine of it, not for the reproof, not for the correction, but simply for the instruction in righteousness. Lord, show me. Micah, I believe it was in the book of Micah, said, He hath shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord doth require of thee, but to do uh, justly and to live godly. Uh, I'm trying to quote right. Do justly. Somebody help me with it. Anybody know it? Ah, that's going to bother me. Let's go to it. Let's see it. See if we can find it. Micah. Micah chapter uh, 6, verse number 8. He has showed the old man what is good and what the Lord has required thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, there it is, and to walk humbly with thy God. I'm thankful when God instructs us in righteousness. So he tells us these things are to be part of a, of a Christian who's whose charity is what it should be. It's not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity. You ever have somebody that that is almost gleeful when you do wrong? (laughs) Somebody wrote a saying one time, I used to have a plaque and had it on the wall. It said, people love it when perfection stumbles. And the truth is, there are times when a brother or sister in Christ stumbles in their Christian life and we're almost gleeful for it because it helps us to look. We, we go up a notch as they go down. You know, the, the, per, the, the Bible tells us that a person that has charity doesn't rejoice in the iniquity. By the way, they, they don't lift it up either. They don't glorify it. We live in a day where we laud sin. We lift it up. We glorify it. We, we laud people whose lifestyles reflect sin. We were talking a little bit in Sunday school today that just because you put a Christian icon on it doesn't, doesn't excuse the lifestyle. We've got to be careful of this, that you take something that is so sacred as a, as a cross or the time of, uh, uh, that, that is so, something that is special to us, the, the name of uh, being a Christian, and we drag it through the mud because of the lifestyle that we have. And just because you put a Christian title on it and a few Christian symbols on it and wear the WWJD bracelet doesn't make it Christian because of the lifestyle. We've got to be careful of these things. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and what? Endureth all things. Charity never what? And never faileth. Whether there be prophecies they, shall, prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. I'm thankful one of these days that we're going to know everything. We're going to be perfect. We're going to live the way that this book says we're supposed to live, and we're not going to fail. But that day is not going to come till we get to heaven. Until then, we're to be striving for it. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. We use this a lot of times in child rearing. As parents, we teach our children these things. But can I tell you this? Paul's, in, 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 uh, Paul's intent was to apply it to spiritual maturity. You know, there are times, and the Bible speaks of in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 5, that there are some who ought to be, able to teach others. 
but they are in need themselves of the first oracles of God. They're still on the milk of the Word and not the meat of the Word. There needs to be some spiritual growth. Can I tell you that one of the problems that is one of the most uh, neglected things in our life, if you will, let's put it that way, is a person's walk with God. No matter how much our walk with God is, all of us can look at it and say there have been times that it has not been what it should have. And we can look at all of our walks with God as they are today and say it could be more. It was said of Charles Spurgeon, I've used this before, that when he would go out with his friends, they never knew when he was talking to them and when he was talking to God. But we live in a day now that we get up in the morning and if we give five minutes of our minds to the Lord, many times that's, that's, that's a good day. To think of the Lord five minutes throughout the day. Or to have our, our, our morning devotion time. Maybe it's 20 or 30 minutes with a cup of coffee in the morning. And then we put God on the shelf for the rest of the day. But to get to the place where our minds are set and fastened upon Him. He says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Now, our message is found in verse number 13. We're dealing here with the characteristics of charity. These things ought to be, these are the things that ought to be the norm in the Christian life. These are not exceptional things. These are not things that we expect to find only in veteran Christians. These are things that from day one in a Christian's life, when the Holy Spirit of God quickens inside of us and comes to live inside of us, these are things that just ought to be so. There ought to be long suffering. There ought to be gentleness. There ought to be kindness. By the way, the Bible talks about that as the fruit, not of us, but the fruit of the Spirit. These are not things that we work for. These are not things that we try to put on outwardly. These are things that when our walk with God is right, they will just be part of us. They will characterize us. We won't, uh, we won't, think, we won't rejoice in iniquity. We won't uh, be provoked into think. We won't be provoked. We won't be thinking evil of people. Oh, that we could have people whose minds would be this way. You know, our minds don't operate this way. The fleshly mind doesn't. The carnal mind doesn't. And now we get to verse number 13, and here's the message. Now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three. Now I'm going to stop there for a moment. These are some pretty powerful words, aren't they? When we talk about faith, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. And the Bible says in, in a few verses later, Without faith it is impossible to what? Please God. Do you know that without faith we cannot even be saved? Faith is a pretty important word. In fact, there's a portion of Scripture, and I wish I had the reference uh, readily at, at hand here, but there's a portion of Scripture that talks about when the preaching is done that it is of none effect because it was not mixed with faith. Faith is a pretty important thing. It's a potent thing in the Christian life. And, and the idea that with, uh, with the, the smallest amount of faith, we can remove a mountain. With a little bit of faith, Peter was able to step out of the boat and walk on the water. Faith is a pretty big word, isn't it? In the Christian life, it's all that we hold to. Uh, that, uh, for by grace are you saved through what? Through faith. This thing of faith is an amazing thing. We've got to understand that. And then we have hope. Look with me, if you will, in the book of Titus. 
just over a few uh, few books. <clears throat> Titus chapter number 2. Verse number 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation. Aren't you glad for God's grace? For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope. What's the blessed hope? Looking for that blessed hope. Here it is. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people. By the way, we ought to be peculiar. Amen. Zealous of good works. You know, you and I, when we get saved, we have a blessed hope. And it's not a wishful hope. It's a hope that is based on faith. It's a hope that gives us the reason to wake up in the morning and continue with life. To realize that while we are here on this earth, God's got a purpose and a plan for us. If we didn't have hope, we wouldn't have any vision. We wouldn't have any direction. We wouldn't know what to do for God. Our, our service for God would be lacking. We would, we would, as my dad used to say years ago, we would breathe in the good air and blow out the bad air, and that would be about all our life would be without hope. Because we have the blessed hope that's based on our faith, then we serve Him out of that. And then Paul says this, and charity. But the greatest of these is what? We preach a lot about faith, don't we? We even preach a lot about hope. Every time we preach about salvation, we're preaching of the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. Every time we preach on the end times and the rapture and God coming back, we're dealing with the blessed hope. You know what Paul said under inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God? He said, out of these three, charity is the greatest. This thing that ought to be the norm in our life is the greatest. You mean it has significance even over my faith? Yeah. What about the blessed hope? You better have charity. Out of the three of them, it's the greatest. Do you know faith would not have been possible had there not been charity? Do you know that hope would not have been possible had there not been charity? You say, Brother Greg, how do you know that? Because in John chapter number 3, verse number 16, it doesn't say, for God had faith for all the world. It doesn't say that God had hope for all the world. It said, for God so loved the world. And because of that, we have faith and we have hope. We don't preach a whole lot about the, the love, the charity, the heart condition. But can I tell you this? It ought to be something we strive for daily. Lord, help me to have charity. Help me to have the charity that you had for me. Was God long-suffering for us? Absolutely. 
Did God rejoice in evil when we stumbled and fell? Was He laughing and gleeful about that? Or does He sorrow with us? Does He bear all things? He sure did. He bore them on Calvary, didn't He? All of our sins, our past, present, and future, were born on Calvary. Did Jesus behave Himself unseemly? No. The Bible says He grew in favor with God and man, didn't He? Sure did. Do you think Jesus envied us? No, He doesn't envy. Do you think Jesus vaunted Himself? Not according to Philippians chapter 2. He said that He humbled Himself, became obedient unto death. Do you think Jesus did all these things because He wanted to do them? Or to be an example for us so we could learn from it. You know, there's not one thing that Jesus went through in His earthly ministry that is not there for an example to us. You know why Jesus prayed to the Father? So we would learn to pray. You know why Jesus was long-suffering? So we'd learn to be long-suffering. You know why He was gentle? (laughs) There was a lady that was taken in adultery. The law said that she had to be stoned. What did Jesus do? Did He condone her sin? Think about that for a moment. He knelt down and He began to write and He told them, He said, You without sin cast the first stone. And one by one they left, didn't they? And when he looked up, she was there. And he said, where are thine accusers? She said, they're all gone. He said, neither do I accuse thee. He doesn't, or condemn thee, I'm sorry. Neither do I condemn thee. But he doesn't condone her sin, does he? He says, go and what? Sin no more. Do you think there would be some people in this world that would come to Christ and get saved if Christians were a little bit more like Christ? If we were concerned about their souls? If we had that kind of charity about them? Paul said, it doesn't matter how well I speak. It doesn't matter what gifts I have spiritually. If I don't have the charity, he said, I'm nothing. I don't care how talented we are as a Christian. I don't care how much we pray or how much we walk with God. If we don't have charity, we're nothing. We don't have to condone the sin. But oh, we need to learn to love the way that Christ loved. Because Paul said that out of faith and hope and charity, the greatest one is charity. It would do us well to learn some of this. I like good hard preaching. I like learning doctrine. I don't like being reproved a whole lot, but I do like a, a good, good strong sermon every once in a while that steps on my toes. You know, there's sometimes we need to be instructed. We need to be taught. 
by God's Word. And I hope this morning will be a blessing and a help to you. Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we're thankful for your Word. I pray that you'll use it. Lord, we live in a day where we have so focused on the outside, the outward, that we have missed the heart. We look at the world as the enemy, and while sin is the enemy, certainly the people that are in it are not. The souls that are dying that need a Savior. Lord, that soul is not the enemy. We need to stand strong for sin against it. We need to stand for right. We need to be holy. Father, may we have these things that characterize our life when it comes to the souls of men. That there would be a sense of charity about us. Love in action. Lord, I'm reminded of the story of the Good Samaritan. One, the priest passed by and didn't even pause, didn't even look upon him. Just passed by. He saw him. The Levite at least looked upon him and had some concern, but passed by also. But Lord, there was one that not only saw him, but was moved with compassion. Lord, I'm thankful for the day that someone had compassion on me. I pray that you would help us to do likewise, that we would find someone to invest our life in, to work with, to pour our hearts out to, to try to do all that we can to be a help to them, to draw them closer to you, to help them to become more of what they ought to be for you. Lord, it may be a lost person that needs to be saved. It may be a young Christian that has floundered and struggled and never grown. Lord, maybe it's a carnal Christian that has fallen away from you and their walk with you and their relationship with you and their life is not what it should be. Lord, may we be compassionate on them. That there would be some charity there. I pray that you would help us to leave here this morning weighing the mind and the thought and the heart of this truth and that it would sink in Because, Lord, in these last days, we are in such a need of people that will invest in others. Bless the invitation, Lord. Use it as you would see fit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed, we'll have the piano and organ play through just a verse or two of a song of invitation. If God's spoken to you, would you come this morning?